Hey everybody, it's Travis from The Berm Show. There's a brand new app called Lower 22 Vets for veterans and active duty military members. This app combats suicide amongst veterans by bringing veterans together. So please go check it out. Sign up is free and it's easy and there's monthly giveaways. You can find the app on Google Play and Apple Store. So sign up now. rock your world and i think it's going to open a lot of eyes about the va man it's called breaking yeah i saw the trailer for that movie it's Um, it's based it's based on a true story of this marine in 2017 literally went to wells fargo so he can get the media involved is what his goal was you know um i mean spoiler alert the ending is powerful, dude. Like, literally, I bawled like two, three times in that movie, man. The one part that got me was uh, when he had a little girl and he was talking to her. And, um, you know, he said, baby, I want you to pray for me. Dude, that, like, that really was powerful right there, that alone. You know, because she, <clears throat> she's probably like six or seven. You know, so um, yeah, she, it, it's it's an awesome movie, man. I mean, that movie is a legit Academy Award movie that could go up for some awards, man. You know, if, yeah, I if they you. were to, I saw that something... you posted it yesterday on your on your guys's Instagram. I saw that, and I was trying to remember what movie that was, but yeah, I'd seen the trailer, and I thought the same thing. Like, and I saw the end of the trailer it said it's a true story like holy cow and they kind of show a little bit of the phone call on the trailer <laughs> like that and and then the the negotiators are marine as well oh so the negotiators trying to hook him up too man you know and um you know it's it goes back to that you know veteran to veteran type deal where you know you can communicate and talk each other's language and stuff like that and you noticed it um the effect that that negotiator had with that with that Marine, you know, because mm-hmm. as soon as he told them, you know, hey, I'm a Semper Fi, this and that and stuff. And then the guy that the movie's based on, like, oh, you're one of them Hollywood Marines, you know, <laughs> and that's the part that got us all laughing and stuff. So, you know, you laugh a little, you cry a little, better yet, you cry a lot, you know, and it really, like, some of, like, the civilians that were in that movie, didn't get why this older gentleman kept commentating about, you know, he's going to kill himself. He's going to kill himself. I feel it, you know, mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> and he's a veteran, you know, so you got, you, you, you knew something was coming, but you didn't know. You thought it was the sniper that was going to take him out. Cause mm-hmm. he was, uh he was holding these two bank employees as hostages, you know? So, <laughs> The crazy thing is that's kind of like um, it's still relevant to today. Like you're saying, I've seen a, quite a few stories pop up with like the VA and and veterans lately, like abusing them. Have you, I'm not sure if you've seen that video that's kind of circling right now. I think it was like in Atlanta or Georgia or somewhere in that area. Dude, that before happened. COVID, they had uh, enacted the Mission Act. So the VA was actually doing better with, um, you know, scheduling appointments. Be within 30 days 
mm-hmm. you know, two weeks, three weeks and stuff, you know, since COVID, you know, they shut down, you know, they pretty much use COVID as an excuse on, you know, let's just do telehealth and all this other BS and stuff like that. Well, right now, man, trying to get an appointment at the VA, you know, you're looking at 35 to 45 days minimum, if not longer, mm-hmm. you know, and literally you have to go to the ER to get taken care of right now. And, you know, and you, I, if, I mean, I just saw a story today where somebody like a VA, somebody that works for the VA, like attack somebody in the parking lot or something, a, a, a veteran in the parking lot, like, sir. Dude, dude sir. I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. And that, you know, well, it's, just, it's sad that that happens at all. Like, and that's, and that's the thing, man, like people don't understand. And the worst thing about it, some of these VA workers are veterans themselves mm-hmm. and for them not to take care of their fellow brothers and not have compassion for them and treat them like, um, you know, just anybody is BS, you know, because what I found out, what really drives me nuts is how the fuck do you have a union at the VA? You know, those guys at the top of the VA at these, some of these facilities, they're making CEO money, dude. They're making 150, 200, 250,000 a year and they're bonusing out, you know, why the fuck are they bonusing out? It's their job to take care of these veterans. You know, like, how's it a bonus, you know, having these veterans commit suiciding and dying and stuff? How is that? How do you, can you sleep at night getting a bonus because, oh, well, we saved the VA this amount of money. No, motherfucker. That's why they give you the money so you could take care of them, not to save or all this other bullshit. You know, that's not what that money's for. It's to take care of the veterans, not for you to bonus out, you know, and that drives me nuts, dude. You know, no, I think it's become more, it's, yeah, disgusting. it's become more corporate, more business than actual a service from, you know, everybody that I know that's dealt with the VA to some, any type of level, even if just for a small checkup, they all say the same thing. It's it, very bad experiences. And, and it's kind of, I think to what you're saying, you know, is that there it's all checks and balances now, or for them versus, Hey, you know, but you have to stay. And, and, and I understand they have a budget and this and that. But mm-hmm. guess what? They have the second largest budget besides the DOD. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money, dude. You know, and now that they passed, they pa- They just passed this uh, last act. What was it? Pact Act or whatever and stuff for the burn pits and all that stuff. Yeah. So literally you have what? Seven, eight million veterans right now. And now you open up that with 23 other designations that you can apply for. Literally, you're going to almost double what you have now. What's the impact going to happen there? Mm-hmm. You know, they ain't ready for that. Are they going to, you know, instead of sending money, fucking Ukraine and all these other places, put the, leave that money here and take care of the guys that already did the dirty work for you and stuff like that. You know, like, come on, man. You yeah, know, that's, that's crazy. Been- my arguments to that, and especially living in California, I mean, you see how how bad it is here, with like homeless and all these encampments. But yet we can send was it was it thirty three trillion dollars overseas and billions of dollars, dude, billions, not millions, money. billions. That's, it'd be spent here, like you're saying. 
we got all these veterans. It's everybody knows at this point, I think, or most people know that 22 veterans a day is kind of what we're looking at as a suicide rate. But then there's also the homeless rate for veterans that's going up through the roof. Um, I mean, there's so many different things that are happening and nobody seems to like fully tackle it when it comes from the government's perspective. It's like, oh, dude, tell me, tell me this, throw a bandaid on Tell me this, that inflation fucking bill or whatever that bullshit is, right? A lot of it's pork belly fucking bullshit that's going in back into politicians' pockets, number one, Mm -hmm. you know? So you mean to tell me out of all them billions of dollars that you're passing and stuff like that, you know, like you should, the first thing you should be taking care of is education, healthcare, veterans. That's it. Top three. If you got money left over, then you send that, then you send that bullshit over to Ukraine or wherever they are. We have no business in Ukraine. We have no business in Ukraine. You know, we're supposed to police everybody. We're supposed to like, you know, because some of these politicians have their hands across the across the, the the pond and stuff and you know they have their special interests over there and stuff like that like you got to be kidding me man mm-hmm. you mean to tell me latin america can cross the border get free health care get housing and refugees and yet a veteran's homeless what the fuck is wrong with that picture dude Mm-hmm. What is wrong with that picture? And and I think the sad part is too for for veterans. I can I've talked about this a, a number of times when I got out. The transition process is just so horrible. So I mean, you're already starting behind the eight ball when you get out because the transition to the civilian world when you're leaving the military is is not that great. There's no like I remember my taps and it, like I've said before, it, it was more like a trying to re recruit me to do reserves rather than prepare me for, Hey, this is how you need to apply to colleges. This is how what you need to do to apply for jobs. And then you get out there and you're kind of trying to figure things out all on your own. I think that's how those, you get those homeless veterans or those veterans that, I mean, it's easy. It's, it's easier to, to go down that a bad path or down a, the wrong hole when you don't really know where to go. So tell me this, dude, I was with, Five other veterans, I was telling you about that meeting I had yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. One of them brought it up. And tell me if this isn't something basic and simple that when you get out, it should be mandatory, okay? When you get out, the first thing, you know, fuck taps and all that bullshit, right? Don't. <laughs> the first thing you do is you have the VA there for enrollment, right? So they're going to enroll you in the VA. Number one. And guess what? They're going to have a disability. They're going to look over your medical records and they're going to automatically, automatically, they should give you at least 50% automatically, whether you rate it or not. Right. That way you have some kind of money coming in until you find a job. Right. How hard would it be for them guys to do that before you get out? Tell me that. And it's basic, simple shit, dude. It's it not is. like you got to reinvent the wheel or anything like that. All you got to do is 
put some of the guys that the S1, the admins and stuff like that, you get some of the VA employees or even get some of the VSOs come out and help with something like that. Because they're going to first thing they're going to do is they have a disability claims person that, you know, that's what they do. Right. So they they say every Friday they show up and they're going to look over your medical records. And that way, the guys that rate a disability rating will actually get it. And the guys that are working the system mm-hmm. and getting 100% when they didn't never even deployed, right? They yeah. never saw combat, but they're getting 100%, right? Yeah. Automatically, if you do at least two deployments in combat zone automatically you should be 100 percent. automatically i think that's fair i mean like i only did one deployment in the navy and i can tell you right now my hearing is jacked up (laughs) because of working on the flight deck and and it's only going to get worse as you get older man yeah that's the thing and i was one of those veterans i've never i never got any disability because i always felt like i was fine and I had this mindset. It's like I, the military doesn't owe me anything because it's just I got free college. I felt really we, good. We all do because we're young. That's the thing. How old are you? Um, thirty three now. So that okay. was I got and out. You got out at what age? Twenty two, I think. I think I was twenty two okay. when I got out. So twenty two <laughs> to thirty three is eleven years, man. Wait until twenty years when you're my age, you know, and you literally have to look at people. To know that they're talking to you, because mm-hmm. I can't hear for shit either. Yeah, and I was a cook, so I was in the mess halls. I was on ship, you know, and all that loud noise and stuff like that. Believe it or not, it it I still hear ringing sometimes. You know, yeah, it got progressively worse. Like my wife will definitely tell you I can't hear or it's shit. <laughs> I mean, on my right ear, my right ear is definitely my worst one for some reason. Like, and I, I bet you that's the side that you shot from, correct? No, I worked on the flight deck, so I was just, I mean, the jets and everything shooting off, it was, and you had the cranials on. Like, everybody sees the videos of people on the flight deck, you got the headgear on. But there's, most of the time, there's nothing in those little ear pieces. It's oh, just of course. A piece of plastic covering your ear. And maybe some padding around it, if you're lucky, but there's supposed to be, like, a styrofoam in there, and you're lucky. It's supposed to be soundproof. Oh, yeah, and it's not. You know, definitely yeah. not. And, yeah. uh. I mean, if I were to go back in time, I hate doing revisionist stuff, but if I were to, I would definitely push that with the VA. I would have gone there and been like, hey, you know, this is what happened or this is what's going on. And kind of like what you're saying, I think the transition part of it, like you were mentioning, and having that maybe like that final health screening with the VA there so you can get those disabilities, that would be perfect. Because most veterans, like we were talking about, how, how many veterans actually do go to the VA because you know like like myself I was young and I felt good it's like I don't really need anything well that's it well that's the thing what about the guys that come out and aren't struggling right Mm -hmm. so they go and they work at State Farm they work at John Deere they work at you know T-Mobile all they get good jobs coming out and stuff right but the thing is fast forward 15 20 years down the road and the stuff that they didn't worry about because they were young. Now it's starting to creep up on them. Yeah. 
They never enrolled in the VA, you know, and now they have to enroll in the VA to even put in a claim, you know, and that's the thing. Like, how many guys actually know that when you get out, take your DD-214 to the county recorder and put it in file. So if you ever lose your DD-214, guess what? You can go get your DD. Nobody told you that when you got out, correct? I've never heard that before. So that, that exactly. means I've even heard <laughs> Exactly. Now, doesn't that make sense? So, you know, you don't have to wait three months, six months to order it from Kansas City or wherever you're supposed to order it from. All you got to do is go to your county court recorder. Hey, um, I need to get a copy of my DD-214. You know, See, scan it, put it in your email, you know, whatever you got to do. But the best thing to do is put it in your in your recorder, take it down to county and, and record it there. So yourself, your wife, your kids later on down the road, if they need to pull up a DD-214, guess what? They got access to it. See, that's important information. That's something I've never heard about before. And it makes complete sense. I mean, I have, I mean, like. 30 copies for myself, but I mean, that's, that's something they should tell you when you're transitioning. Yeah, God, for, God forbid your house burns down, right? Where else do you have your DG 214s? Yep. That's yeah. exactly. That's, that's a, if it, that's, if you're, I'm sure most veterans are kind of like in my situation where if you do have copies or even just your original, it's at your house. I've you thought know, about or, before too. Like if something were to happen, Man, that that's like I'd have to order that. I've thought about that actually before, just because we live. Or your, or say even even your water heater goes out and you got water everywhere, and you get water damage, you know, or you know there's a hole in the roof and water comes in and ruins all your paperwork and stuff like that. You know, if you don't have it inside a safe or something, mm -hmm. you know, now you're like, oh crap, how long well, is it? Gonna that's kind of the, the the crappy part. Like I was saying though, when you transition, it's it's, it, I'm not sure if it was like this for most people when they got out of, of the military, but it was, it really felt like they're trying to get you to stay in to some degree, like a re, being in the reserves or something like that. Mine, from what I remember, it was such, it was like I was in the recruiter's office all over again, but I've already lived it. So I was like, oh God, dude, you're not selling me on something I've been in for 40 years. Like I know, I know how it is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of sad because that's, I'm not sure if it was just the way it was for me when I got out and I'm, I'm sure there's other folks that have gone through that same experience and felt the same way. It's like, man, they're not even preparing me for anything. Or you think it's BS, you know, it's that final week. You're like, whatever. And then you get out and you wake up that first day as a civilian. You're like, holy crap, I don't know anything. Like, I haven't been prepared for. for you would you would figure at least you get an exit interview. So they're like, you know, what do you plan on doing when you get out? Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a clue, guess what? Go to your local community college. You know, let them know you're a veteran. See if they have a veteran center at that community college. You know, because probably, if not 80 to 90% of community colleges, universities now have veteran centers. So they got veterans going to, you know, so like ASU right across the street, they got Tillman Center, but they also have Upward Bound, you know. And those guys actually, if, even if you say you like yourself, you want to go back to school because you've been out military 10 15 20 30 years and now you're like you know what actually i want to go back to school i want to get my degree just to get it mm -hmm. you know they'll prep you up for that they'll they'll help you with fasva they'll help you with all these all the stuff you need to do to enroll 
but they also help with tutoring. They also help with all kinds of stuff, you know, that to help you be successful in the transition into college, you know, to get your degree. Because once you get your degree, that's going to open up a whole lot of doors. You know, yeah. I never used to think like that, you know, but I got two kids. Well, my two older kids are 31 and 33. Well, 34 and 31. My daughter will be 32 in, in a couple months. You know, they, my daughter, she's amazing, man. She got pregnant at 16, bought her first house at 18. Now her and her husband right now, they own like five houses and two apartment complexes. You know, she makes six figures. My oldest son makes six figures. And he lives out in Lakeside, California. You know, but they both got bachelors. They, and my daughter has not one, but two masters. Holy crap. So she's you killing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, and she knows the importance of having a degree. I never used to think like that. But because of them and what the opportunities and all that stuff where, you know, the jobs that they're working in, I'm like, I should have done this 30 years ago, man. Mm -hmm. You know, but because, you know, I thought I knew it all. I knew I could take care of myself. And trust me, I've been through every situation a veteran's gone through. Every situation, you know, alcoholism. You know, drug addiction, homelessness twice, you know, suicide attempt once, you know, um, divorce, you know, um, I mean, you name it, dude, you name it. I've, I've been there, done that, you know, so, you know, when some of these veterans try to like, you know, bullshit a bullshitter, guess what, Best, guess what, buddy, I've already walked in your shoes. You can't, you can't, no, man. You know, because I could have easily pulled the trigger seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven times already. Mm -hmm. You know, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's still up to us to make the decision. When you're rock bottom, guess what? There's nowhere else to go but six feet under. So guess what? Look at the bright side. You're still above ground, and all you can all you have to worry about is going up. That's it. You know. Because the day I tried to commit suicide, I had lost my computer repair shop. My girlfriend had left me. My car had just been totaled sitting out in front of my apartment. You know, like everything snowballed at once. So literally, I'm like, you know what, man? I'm tired. I'm tired of this stuff. You know, I've already been through all the peaks and valleys and all that. So I'm like, I'm done. So literally, I went to South Mountain with a 45 Two seconds away from pulling the trigger, my daughter calls me. Holy cow. You know, she's like, Dad, do you want to hear some good news? I said, baby, any news is good news right now. And that's the day I found my why and my purpose. You know, she's like, Dad, you're going to have a grandson. I already have a granddaughter. But when she said I was going to have a grandson, literally that hit me like a ton of bricks, man. Like, that was the fire. That was the motivation I needed because the first thing I thought was if I pulled this trigger, what's the legacy I'm going to leave for my grandson? Mm -hmm. You know? So I told my daughter, I said, you know what, baby, I'm, I, I got another phone call coming in. Let me call you back. So I hung up the phone. Literally, dude, I bawled for like 35, 45 minutes. Right. And I'm like, I can't do that to my grandson, you know? And on the way down, is on is why is how I found my why and my and my purpose, 
you know, my why is to leave a legacy for my grandson. My purpose is to keep other veterans from trying to do what I just tried doing, you know, mm -hmm. and that was eight years ago. And that's what that's. And every day when I get up every morning, all I got to do is look at that picture of my grandson that I have hanging up next, literally sit next to my bed and know that, you know what, as long as I do what I need to do, help whoever I got to help today, even if it's just one person, I know I've done, I've done my job for the day, you know, and I've, I've owned restaurants before and I, and I've made a lot of money, but I've, I'm more happy now and humbled now running my nonprofit than when I was making a grip of money running six restaurants, owning six restaurants, you know, because back then it was about all about making money, mm -hmm. you know, but I was an asshole back then because <laughs> I had money. I didn't, I didn't care. I didn't care who I had to step on. I didn't care what, you know, I, I should have been spending more time with my family, you know, but I was so worried about every penny hitting the register. You know, I was worried about the employees robbing me and stuff like that. But if anything, the only thing that got robbed was my two older kids, me spending more time with them, you know? So when my youngest son came around 13 years later, 14 years later, you know, they literally brought threw it in my face is like, you know, you spend way more time than you ever did with us. I said, yeah, but did you guys ever go without, you know, did you guys ever struggle? Like how many times did I take you and your friends to Padre or charger games or, you know, pay for you guys' trip to go do cheer squad or any of that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know? So, you know, now I look back now and I'm like, yeah, I could have spent more time with them and stuff like that. But at the same time, there's a reason why I had to go through that phase in life is to be grateful for, you know what, I don't want to be that type of person anymore. You know, because I know if I saw myself walking up to me right now, dude, I would turn around and run <laughs> and get away from that person because literally I was I was an asshole. I was a straight up asshole just because I had money, yeah. you know. Well, that's, that's one of those things too. Like I have a young family I was always kind of the same way. I never made crazy amounts of money, but when I got out of the military, I was really hard pressed on like, I got to get a great job. I got to start making money. You get wrapped up in that really easy. And then once I started having kids, um, like and my dad's kind of like how you were saying, my dad was kind of like yourself always working. So I never really, he was there. I mean, we always had, we never went without, but it felt like he was always missing everything. So when I started having kids and stuff. It's, it hit me too. Kind of like, like that have that moment where i'm like well you know i could work from six to six every single day six to eight but what's the point i'm missing out on on the stuff that my dad would my dad missed out on and i don't want to be be the, be like that also and you know and it's hard to balance that but i think as i've gotten older especially when my daughter was born uh, a year ago it like the essence of time and having time is more important to me than than uh, any amount of money. And I think when I reflect on something like even the military serving for four years, being gone on deployment, it's like, man, I've already done that where I've missed out on everything. I've missed birthdays, I've 
all of a sudden I see my, my parents got old. It's like, what the hell? My little sister's not a little kid anymore. She's a young adult. Now she's same thing with my brother and my niece. Everybody's older and time continues. So it's like, what what's the point of grinding? I mean, it's not not to say you can't grind. Grinding is definitely important. But to grind so much that you lose sight of what you're grinding for. Exactly. See, there's nothing wrong with grinding. The thing is, make time for yourself. Yeah. You know? Because that's just as important as making money, you know, if not more. Because the thing is, if like I had all that money, but I never made memories. My, you know, my kids would go to Disneyland with my ex-wife, you know, without me. Mm -hmm. You know, they go on family trips without me because I thought being at work was more important. And and it wasn't. I could have easily took, you know two, three, four, five days and go spend time with them and stuff. But so I was so money hungry at the time. Like, that's all I thought is long as I got money in the bank, my family would be all right. But it, but it, that it wasn't the deal, you know? Yeah, and that's, I mean, I know for myself, especially when I first got in the military and I, re, like, I missing out on so much, it really hit me. And it, that was kind of like my struggle too. When I got out mentally, it was just, I missed so much. I'm still not home. I was living in San Diego. My family's all in Northern California. So it's like, I'm still not home. So it was a point of getting out. I had all these like mixed emotions going on and kind of like you're saying though, not making the time and you're just grinding nonstop, working nonstop. That's where you can, that, that doesn't help your situation or your depression or whatever you're going through. Sometimes it just masks it or makes it even worse because now everything that you're missing, you're, you're hating yourself for it, but then you're still hurting yourself because you're not making the time. Like you were saying. Um, and it, it gets really dark when you do stuff like that, when you get down that path. Um, I know. Different. You know it, it, and, and that's the thing. Like if you're single, that's one thing. Yeah. You know, but when you have family, that's a whole different monster right there. Like, you know, you got to balance it where, you know, you have to make time for your family, man. Because, you know, if, if, thank God, I, I, I realized I needed to spend some more time with them and I got to make a few memories. But if I would have just kept doing what I was doing and stuff like that and missed out on everything, you know, I know I would regret that right now, mm-hmm. you know, and I know I would, I would, I know my kids would regret me right now too, but you know what? My daughter, my daughter, you would think she's my mom. <laughs> like, you know, she checks up on me. Like, you know, now my two boys, that's a whole different ball game, man. You know, like, ah, that's dad, you know, he, he's good to go and this and that. And you know, that, that's a, that's a guy thing, yeah. you know, like, yeah. I do the same thing with my mom, you know, like as long as I know that, cause I talk to my sisters and my brother more than anything, more than my mom, you know, but I'll call her once a month just to, just so she knows that I'm thinking of her and stuff like that. You know, even though I'm so to her, I'm supposed to be calling every Sunday instead of just once a month and stuff, you know? So, I mean, and, and that's just as important, man, because, you know, time doesn't stop for nobody, man. Cause like, you know, my nieces and nephews, I used to drag around, God, 16, 18 nieces and nephews to, you know, Padre games and Charger games at Qualcomm Stadium. And, you know, and not one time did I ever lose one. Thank God, you know. <laughs> um, but, you know, 
them growing up and now like two of my nephews they joined the military because of me because i was when i met them i was i was in the marine corps still you know so one of them's an army vet he's a fire firefighter ems out in uh, humble texas just outside houston you know and then my other nephew he's an air force vet and he lives out in cali up in um i want to say he's in northern cal but i know his parents live in like rancho cucamonga area and you know oh yeah that's that's kind of down here by where i'm at that's not too far yeah you know so you know but i mean you know now i see my nieces nephews you know now even my kids they're in their 30s you know like how did they get to be 33 34 and 31 32 you know like wow and then my baby my youngest son he just graduated high school you know he's 18 you know like he's not my little boy no more man and it sucks because it's like you know and and that's one thing i was depressed a few weeks ago about was if it started kicking in and let me know that you know what dude you're not a young dude no more man like you're getting old and i i don't mean like old as in you know 90 years old but i mean you know your kids are grown they're like adults yeah you know so it's like wow man the time flew like you wouldn't believe you know it's it's crazy you know and that's why i tried to tell a lot of these vets and that's that's one thing with my organization is you know we're very very family family orientated so like when we go to the d-backs game we go to baseball games football games basketball games you know fiesta bowl cookout stuff it's not about just the veteran it's about bringing out the whole family man because you're making memories with them and later on down the road your kids are going to be like you know what dad i remember when you took us to monster jam and you know because we go to monster jam you know and and a lot of these guys i want them to go and spend time with their kids because that's one thing i didn't do for my two older ones you know now my youngest son we do we've done so much together and stuff like that that's different you know but my two older ones i still feel guilty for not you know taking them to disneyland and in doing this and doing that and stuff like that so i mean to me it's kind of like my nonprofit's kind of like you know, these guys, are, these veterans are my kids. I got to keep an eye on them. I got to take care of them. Family is extremely important. Um, I mean, I've, it's funny because I've, like, there's been moments recently even where I could think about where I've had, like, those lapses where I almost went back to being depressed where you have those. I'm not sure if you still have that occasionally, you know, like, oh, I got, there's, I was transi- I'm transitioning jobs and there's all this stress and I kind of, yeah, I bought a bottle of whiskey and I was like, man, I stayed up one night and I drank like two full glasses. And then the next day I poured the rest of it. I was like, what the hell am I doing? You know, it's easy. That's a dangerous path to go down. But then I thought, you know, I got two kids to be grateful for. I got, you know, a beautiful wife, beautiful family. We're doing great things. And, uh, so, and that's the thing. Sometimes we take it for granted, dude, that they're always going to be there. Mm-hmm. You know, and... <clears throat> You know, that's the one thing I, I I know I regret is, like, I know if I wouldn't have been drinking, I know if I wouldn't have been using drugs, I know I'd still probably be married, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, shit, I'd probably be married like 34 years right now, but been together 36. You know, that's a long freaking time, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, but, you know, 
I can't blame her, dude. Sometimes, you know, you get tired of somebody that doesn't want to change. And mm-hmm. and it goes back to choices. You know, we all make choices, good or bad, you know. Um, and that's the thing. Sometimes we go through rough patches for a reason. And it's to make us that much stronger, you know. And a lot of people look at it as, you know, oh, it's the end of the world, this and that. And it's a struggle. And it is a struggle. Mm -hmm. But also at the same time, there's a reason why you're going through it is to make you a better person, number one. And number two is to humble you and make you realize that how blessed you are with what you have. And a lot of us take it for granted. You know, and I'll be the first one to admit I took it for granted for such a long time that by the time I realized it, it was too late. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've had those kind of moments the last couple of years where I've taken for granted how far like my wife and I have come. Cause I met her when I was still in the Navy. I just came back from deployment. She was going to college. Uh, so like my last two years in we were together and then I got my ship got stationed up in Washington. So my last year we were in two different States. Um, but when I got out, I mean, that's where I flew to. I flew back to San Diego. She picked me up. We lived in a studio apartment, super broke, you know, barely, I mean, living at roaches and all kinds of crap, sleeping on an air mattress. Um, she had a part-time job. I didn't even have a job, but you know, I think when I look back and I'm grateful for where we are now, where we have a house, we have all these things. It's like, man, we're like a bard or, um, war toughen family. Like we've, we've gone through all this, these struggles together. And there's times where I've even taken, I'm sure everybody goes through this, where I've taken my own wife for granted. I'm like, man, this is, this is like not where I expected my life to be and stuff. But then it's like, no, look, know what she, her and I have tackled so much together. Why am I complaining? Like, I'm grateful that I have a partner that is as as stronger than any person I've ever met. And she's ready to go whenever. So, you know, it's like, no, this would have, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for her. Cause those times when I got out, if I didn't have anybody, if I didn't have her, if I, when I got out, I, I'm sure my life would be vastly different than what it is now. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, you gotta be grateful. You know, it's. And, and, and that's so true, man, because, you know, a lot of us, you know, and, and, and sometimes it comes from culture too, mm-hmm. you know, be, being Marine, Hispanic, Latino, you know, um, the muchismo and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it doesn't matter what she thinks and this and that. And it and it does, though, dude. You know, and a lot of times your wife is way more stronger, way more headstrong than you will ever be, even as a 52-year-old Marine, you mm-hmm. know, or a 52-year-old veteran that's seen some shit. You know, the wives are like, I have to be honest, they're they're fucking superheroes, dude. Like, you know, you think you're a badass Navy, you think you're badass Army (laughs) or Marine and stuff. You ain't shit if you have a wife. She will put you in check real quick, dude. It's so true. Especially if you have a great, great wife, dude. And, And that's the one thing veterans need to understand is, like, you need to be thankful that if you have a wife that... You know, she she was willing to go through all the bullshit that you guys had gone through, and she's still there, dude. 
you don't have a wife. You have a saint. That's you know? that's so exactly. There's a lot it. of women nowadays. They won't put up with that shit. They're they're fucking out the door, the first chance they get because they're like, this ain't my fucking deal. This ain't my mess. <laughs> you know, this is your mess, dude. Like, you need to fix it. You need to clean that shit up, man. You know, and a lot of time, a lot of times, like, oh, you know, hey, I, I'm, you know, badass veteran, this and that, and stuff like that, but. Time goes by, and you know sometimes it, it might take a year. Sometimes it'll take twenty years, and then you realize, you know what? I had a fucking badass wife that I took for granted, and she's gone. Yeah, like I, yeah. I mean, the, I've told my wife this before. As like, because she's seen me through every low I've ever had. I mean, through drinking a whole lot. Um, I mean. I almost flunked out of college my first semester. I just said, F, I said, fuck school. I never went to school. It was community college in San Diego. I signed up and I was like, I hated everybody. I was like, fuck all these people. I was like, God, everybody's just bitching in this classroom about how hard their lives are. Like I'm over it. You know, I just, I'd stay in our freaking apartment or studio and sit there on an air mattress. I wouldn't do anything. Sometimes I would just sit there or lay there and just wallow, you know, just sit there and just bask in my freaking issues and she went through all that with me and she pushed me to go back like really get my shit together when I came to school you know even when I didn't see the I guess the big picture like I've told her before you've always saw it and I'm like man that it's and the fact that you were to you saw it and you saw me there even with all the bullshit that was putting you through it is amazing I mean Cause it, it's not easy. I'm I'm sure there's times where she's like, "What the fuck am I doing with this guy?" Like, yep, this is ridiculous. Like he's. And you'd be surprised how many times she thinks that too, you know. <laughs> like let's be let's be honest, man. Because yeah. you know, some some women they're they're blessed. They got great husbands. They got husbands with a great job. Great, you know, they have money and this and that. And literally, they can. But sometimes it's not just about that. You mm -hmm. know, it's about. You know, they're looking for the, the compassion, you know, the companionship and stuff like that is way more important than just having money. Because there's a lot of guys out there with money. And I'll be the first one to admit, when I did have I was an asshole. And that's a lot of guys with money. They're assholes because they know they can get any woman they want because they got money. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why some women, you know, they they rather be with a regular person. That was somebody that has money, even though a lot of women say, oh, man, I'll take a guy with money. And he, I said, yeah, you will. You'll take him that has money. But then three, six, nine months down the road, you'd be like, fuck this guy. I'm out. It doesn't yeah. matter how much money he has. He's an asshole, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's very true. I mean, that's where I'm, I'm lucky. I'm blessed. I mean, I've had very it took me a long time to get to the point where I can look and be grateful for it i have you know like it, my wife and i even had the discussion a couple weeks ago maybe a month ago um but because daycare all that stuff you know you calculate all the money that we have to spend versus what's coming in and i've told her before like who cares man you know what all this stuff that we have is just stuff you know like look what we have though we got two kids are freaking awesome who cares like it'll all take care of itself like I'm, i've i've never been so confident ever in my life as i have been in my 30s and i'm new into my 30s i mean 33 years old now but it's like man this next decade is probably the most confident i've felt ever in my life 
just because I know, hey, and, we've and gone watch, through everything. And watch how things drastically will change for the good just mm-hmm. because you realize that. Just because you know, you know, and this is what I try to tell veterans that are struggling in this, that I said, don't look at this. Don't look at this little box right here. Yeah. Look at this box right here. Look at the big picture. You know, and, and a lot of times when I sit down and talk to some of these veterans, you know, my thing is, you know, and this is me in general, you know, where do you see yourself three months, six months, a year from now? Where do you see yourself three to five to ten years down the road? You know, like, do you plan on being doing the same dumb shit that you're doing now? Mm-hmm. You know, because if you are, then you might as well just forget about it because you need to grow. You need to, you know, find find your why, find your purpose, you know, and, and sometimes it'll take a year. Sometimes it'll take 10, 20, 30 years, you know, but yeah. grow, man. Understand that, you know, life is going to go by like this. And I mean like this, you know, and, you know, if you don't get your shit together, you know, you're going to regret it later on down the road. You know, I'm I'm one of the guys that can honestly say that even though though I've been through a lot of shit and I've seen a lot of shit, I am glad where I'm at now just because I can talk to somebody that's struggling right now and tell them, look, this is what you can do. Now, it's up to you to, you know, it, it, it starts right here. Yeah. You know, you got to change your outlook. You got to change. And I'm not talking about being, you know, happy-go-lucky, fucking positive dude every day, this and that. I'm talking about, you know, what is my plan for tomorrow? What's my plan for the next six months, three months? You know, where do I see myself within this company that I'm working at? Do I see growth? Is there growth in this company? Because if there's not, you know, my thing is, let's help these, let's help you, you know, get that diploma that you need to either move up within the company or go somewhere else and get paid, you know, so you can grow and become who you need to become and stuff like that, you know, because a lot of guys, they get complacent and they, they'll work at the same company for 15, 20, 30 years, hate their life. You know, and, and, you know, regret that they never, you know, they never, they never made the choice to grow, mm-hmm. you know, and as a, as a human being, that's one thing in life that we have to do is we have to grow, you know, besides getting old, guess what? We need to get wise, you know, and, but we also need to grow. We need to learn from our mistakes and move forward, you know, like, don't let one or two or three or five or 10 negative things happen to you and think, oh, this is going to happen the rest of my life. You have that mentality that you're the victim, you know, because a lot of times that's what happens with a lot of these guys that are depressed and suicidal and stuff. It's like they're so used to the negative that they don't see that that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, and and it and it gets rough. It gets hard. You know, trust me, I know, you know, especially when it came, you know, to to that point where, you know, when is shit going to change? But it all started with the mentality and looking at it in a different view. And like, 
I need to do this to get to this, mm -hmm. you know, how am I going to, how am I going to, you know, grow in this and then like, well, let me start by helping one veteran, you know, next thing you know, it's two, you know, next thing you know, it's 1500, next thing you know, it's 3000, 6000, 9000, so on, you know, and, you know, there's a lot of veterans and, and it cracks me up when, you know, like, if you ask any of the guys that I've I've helped out in the past, you know, and to me, that to me that makes me like to me to me, I feel like that's that is worth more than any amount of money I could ever they could I could ever get for helping out another human being, much more a veteran. You know, because the other day I I we we were at a at a veteran function and this female veteran came up to me and she gave me a hug and I'm like, who the fuck is this? I don't even know who this <laughs> is, right? I'm like, what the fuck? Dude, I gave her a bike right before COVID, I donated a bike to her, right? She had that bike for probably three or four months and then gave it back to me and went and got a nice, nice bike, like three, four, five thousand dollar bike. Oh crap. Okay. Fast forward till the a week or two, a couple weeks ago. When I see her, the first thing out of her mouth is, You don't even recognize me, do you? And I'm like, No, who the hell are you? You know, who are, who are you? She goes, I'm Dawn. And to myself, I'm thinking, who the fuck is Dawn? You know, like, I know 52 million Dawn stuff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, remember you gave me a bike? And I'm like, dude, that was like two years ago. She, she goes, bro, you saved my life. I said, what? She goes, I've lost 120 pounds. And then mm -hmm. it, it hit me, and I'm like, damn, you were... She was heavy set, you know, and yeah. literally she she would we would message um, send messages on Messenger, you know, and she would tell me stuff that you know oh I feel depressed this and that, but you know what? Because she started riding her bike, she started riding a bike, and it happened to me too, you know. The endorphins kick in all of a sudden now, you know that depression disappears, that anxiety disappears. You know, and now it's like, and and I have to uh, let me let me throw out a name. This this army vet named James Aker. This guy donated a bike to me, like what eight eight at least eight years ago, if not ten. And after like the third ride, he comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, Ro, what do you what do you think of when you ride your bike?" And I'm like, shit, to get to the end, what do you think, man? He's like, no, 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 you're doing it all wrong. I said, what? He goes, you're doing it wrong. I said, what do you mean? He goes, do you feel the sun on your skin? Do you, do you hear the birds chirping? Do you hear the wind? And I'm like, fuck, I never thought about it that way, you know? And the next time I rode, so like, I would ride from literally where Arizona State University is. I live right across the street to the Capitol, which is like 
11, 12 miles down. So it's like 22, 24 mile bike ride. And, you know, when I started riding bike, you know, I would pray to God. I would talk to my grandma in heaven, my brother in heaven, and, you know. And I didn't realize, dude, that's therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, that's fucking therapy without even realizing it's therapy, right? So, you know, ever since then, you know, when I get veterans that haven't been on a, on a bicycle in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, dude, to me, it's like, it's not, it's not like, you know, here's a bike. It's life changing. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a veteran, a, a Marine Corps veteran, hadn't been on a bike since he was six years old, eight years old. Right? Dude, this guy, we rode from, <laughs> from Tempe to Scottsdale out to Mesa and on the way back. And literally, we're two miles away from where we started. And I look down at my watch and I'm like, oh, shit, we've done 20 miles. All of a sudden, this motherfucker starts complaining about his back, his <laughs> knee, all this other shit. I'm like, dude, we rode 20 miles and all of a sudden now you're going to, uh, everything hurts, your hemorrhoids and all this other shit. I'm like, that's bullshit. <laughs> he goes, oh, man, I, you know, I said, but I told him, I said, dude, if I wouldn't have said anything and I would have like, posted it later on down the road, you know, when I post about on Instagram or, or Facebook. And I go, you would have probably had a heart attack and died <laughs> off <of> me, man. <laughs> and he's like, you're probably right, you know, but the other day when we were at, um, we were at this uh, uh, networking group for Marines and stuff, and I brought up that, I told him, hey, tell everybody your 20-mile bike ride and stuff. He goes, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but it's 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 stories like that. It's impact stuff like that that impact veterans' lives. And dude, mm-hmm. the guy's a motorcyclist. Like he drives, he rides Harley's and all that stuff. But the funny thing is, he will ride his bike by himself. He might not ride twenty miles, but he'll ride five or ten miles around his block and this and that. And he'll mm-hmm. send me pictures. He's like, bro, you know, like. You know, I, I can't believe you got me on a fucking bike and stuff. And he goes, and it doesn't even have a fucking motor on it. <laughs> He's like, I got to work. This, <laughs> I got to actually work when I you ride. Know, but you know what? Hey, man, the, the little five, ten miles that he does and stuff, the dude's lost like 20, 30 pounds, man. That's awesome. You know? So, I mean, and, and, that's, and that's the thing, man. Like, when I first started volunteering in the community, the veteran community and stuff, you know, like, I didn't know the impact that, you know, one veteran has on another. You know, I didn't know, you know, the barrier that there is communication-wise, you know, like being comfortable with another veteran and stuff like that, you know. And, and you know, you, you'll know this as well as everybody else is, you know, we like to give each other shit. Oh, yeah. Right? But the thing is, I was a cook in the Marine Corps, right? But say you were a cook in the Navy, dude, that automatically connects us because we did the same MOS. Mm-hmm. Now, whether it's motor T or cook or admin, whatever and stuff. And you could be Air Force, you could be Army, you could be whatever different branch. But if you did the same MOS, now you guys can connect and you guys can chop it up and this and that. Next thing you know, you got a battle buddy now. 
right? So you got somebody, and that's that's my main goal is, you know, when you come out to our events, my thing is for you to connect with another veteran that's there. Because now I know, you know, this veteran, you you got somebody you can you can talk to. Hopefully you guys can become lifelong friends, you know, because that's what I've noticed. Is, and, and that's the whole point of, of some of our events is, like, there's a lot of standing around, right? So what I do on purpose is I get two, three, four, five of them together, and we start chopping it up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, he's Army. He's Navy, this and that. Oh, yeah, what'd you do in the Army, Chris? What'd you do in the Army, Dave? This and that. And then next thing you know, boom, I got two of them together. Now I can move on to the next group, you know, and so on and so on. And that's how I work. That's how I work to work the, the room and stuff, you know. And, and that's what I think is so important as veterans is the connection, the commodity and stuff like that. And that's what I think that's helped me become so influential in the veteran community here is, you know, I'm not afraid to go out and say, you know, Chris, Tim, whoever, and stuff like that, like, hey, man, I need volunteers, this and that. Well, when we're out volunteering the community, what else is there to do besides keep quiet? Yeah. Well, you're going to want to know what the next guy next to you does and stuff, you know, like wh what branch, what years did you serve? What did, you know, and it's funny, sometimes you'll get guys that were in the same company the same battalion and never even crossed paths once, but yet they're at a food bank or they're at Ironman volunteering or, you know, we're at the D-backs 5K volunteering and stuff. And they're like, holy shit, you were in the same company. You were the same battalion and stuff like that, you know, in Afghanistan, in Iraq, you know, in Germany, wherever and stuff like that, you know, and it, it, it shows you how small a world it is, you know, but at the same time, it shows you, you could be, you know, serving at the same time with the guy next to you and not even know it. Yeah. You know. Well, I think that's that, crazy. I think you hit on the hit on the head too. I mean, um, I mean, veterans seem to it seems easier for veterans to talk to another veteran. Um, and it reminds me of a, what my grandpa had told me. He was in the Navy. He told me this when I was a when I was in, a kid. I was probably in like junior high or high school. Uh, he said, when you go hunting, he's like, they're everybody. He's like, it always gets brought up who, who is in the military. And he's like, there's always like one person when you're going hunting that didn't serve or one or two people. He's like, regardless of your branch, when you're out there hunting, you're sitting around the fire, you all start just talking, you know, talking crap about each other and your stories. Um, but it is like a brotherhood or sisterhood, whatever you want to call it, you know, with, amongst veterans and military members where no matter what branch you're in, there's still some similarities, something you can relate to because it's like, we essentially kind of did the same thing at around the same age. Most people join 17, 18, typically, you know, you took that, that leap of like, Holy crap, signing your life away, basically. <laughs> and not even knowing it, dude. Not, yeah. not really being so naive about it. Like I've talked about with my, I think my dad, I was like, man, I was 17 years old or 18 years old. I, I signed a will. Like I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. You know, I didn't really know what a, I'm just going to people and be like, Oh my God, you didn't know. I was like, I didn't really know what a will was at 18. I never thought about death or 
anything like that. And then when you get older, you're like, holy and, crap, and, like, and, I did that. And that's, what, <laughs> and, that and that's what you got to remember, too, when it comes to recruiters and stuff like that. You know, you're gullible. You're young. Mm -hmm. You don't know nothing about the world. You don't know how the government works. You don't know any of that kind of stuff until after you get out. Oh, yeah. And you find out, you know, how dirty your government is. You find out how dirty these politicians are and this and that and stuff, you know. And it's, But, see, that's the thing. It, as a veteran, it's not about none of that bullshit. You know, we don't serve to serve our country. We serve to have each other's back. That's the thing, you yeah. know, that's and that's the most powerful thing is, you know, when you have the fellow man and, and that's the one that's the one beautiful thing about the military, too. There's no color in the military, you know, like black, white, purple, green, Filipino, Latino, you know, Caucasian, you know, whatever and stuff like that. You know, as long as you got somebody's back, dude, you know, there's no stronger bond yeah. ever. And you know, unless you're an asshole, then that's something completely different. But that's extremely true. And I've I've told people that before, like there's there really is nothing like that. And it's the different walks of life everybody's from too. Like you can't really duplicate it anywhere else. I mean, like my best Every, friend, everybody's green, dude. That's the thing. Yeah. Everybody's green. If there's like my, a color, it's green. You yeah, know? you're because I think it's easy it's the thing that makes it easy too is because you know you're all in the same shit together, regardless of whatever, wherever you're from, like I've told people, my best friend who was, I was on the Navy with, he's from Louisiana. Like all that son of a bitch is my best friend. There's no other way I've ever known him besides being in the military. And we've did some crazy shit together. And like, even like I, at my wedding, all my groomsmen were guys I served with all from different parts of the country, different parts of different walks of life. But Man, we and, ain't, and ain't that and ain't that funny though the that you know you can be from Alabama, Washington, Florida, New York, California, Texas, Arizona, and literally you, me, and you can have the same fucking interests and not even know it. That's what's crazy, <laughs> you know. And it, sure, I'm telling you, and that's what and that's what makes the world so small and stuff. It's like you know you don't even even realize it, you know, because. I mean, even myself, I have a, a, a friend of mine that's a 35-year Army vet, Command Sergeant Major. The fucking dude likes the same kind of music I do. You know, like, I mean, we used to go to, like, literally almost the same type of clubs. The same, you know, like, wait a minute. You're six years older than me, dude. How are we going to have the same interests and stuff? <laughs> you know? It's crazy, you know. Yeah. But it, at the same time, it's cool. It's like. You know, and and that's the one thing. It's like he's not even Latino. He's a white dude. Yeah. You know, and we got another guy that he's a black dude. So it's like you got all three races liking the same shit, country, you know, freestyle, you know, <laughs> football, you name it. We all like it and stuff. And you and, you know, and I don't know, man, like when I was growing up, like. You know, we used to play in the backyard. We used to play with the neighborhood kids. And as kids, dude, you're not you're not born a racist. You're taught that bullshit. You know, so yeah. like we used to play with black kids and, and white kids and you know Asians and you know every every time, you know, as a kid. But as you get older, 
And you would figure as an adult, you'd be way fucking smarter. But it's like some of these people get stupider as adults, you know, because now they're they're bigots, they're racist and this and that. And, you know, and it's disgusting, you know, but as veterans, we don't we don't like we don't have that that barrier. We don't look at some people. We don't look at people like that, you know, because. A lot of these guys, they have your back when you're out there, you know, whether you're deployed or not. You know, you guys are out doing maneuvers or NATO operation or you're on Westpac or, you know, whatever and stuff like that, dude. It, it, it's it. I, I that's the one thing that, you know, that drives me nuts in 2022 is, you know, we still have this racist mentality that divides America because, you know, black, white, this and that and stuff, man. And it shouldn't be like that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, like uh, on my deployment in the Navy, every port we went to is me and my best friend from Louisiana, who's a white dude, you know, he's a country boy. And then uh, our friend Newman, who's a big old black dude from Detroit, like it was the three of us, almost every single country we went to was basically the three of us so would sign out together we're all liberty buddies or whatever and kind of like you're saying never once thought like anything of it you know because it's just we kind of like different shit but we like some of the same shit or we're all looking to just have a good time and we're all about the same age and stuff and i don't know it's kind of like you're saying it, it never crossed my mind that like oh this dude's from freaking louisiana and this guy's from detroit you know he's a country boy and he's a freaking black dude from from detroit like it never crossed my mind it's just like hey you know we like hanging out with each other we like to bullshit and fuck with each other i don't know how many times in other countries my friend from louisiana he's just a go-getter so he's like way out and in front of us when we're walking my friend newman likes to look at everything he's behind us i'm like in the middle I'm like we're the like dude you guys gotta like you gotta either walk faster or you gotta slow down like something needs to happen you know and it's it's so funny because like you're saying, I think it's sad. That's such an issue today because I don't know, even like you're saying when I go to work today, I don't even think about stuff like that. It's, if I like you, I like you. If I don't, I don't, I don't care how you look, what you do. And, that, I mean, and, that, and that's it, dude. As long as you don't act like an asshole, you're cool. Yeah. You know, you want to be an asshole. Guess what? I'll be an asshole. You know? That's yeah, kind of the same thing. way. I could play that game too. You know, it's like if you're going to be an asshole to me, well, shit. Or you're going to treat somebody else like shit. I can treat. I can do the same thing oh, back yeah. to you. You, you know, know, don't. And you know, my thing is, you know, when it comes to females, you know, like, you know, and it, the younger generation now has no respect for themselves, much less anybody else. You know, so when they're disrespecting, you know, elders and, and, and women and stuff, I'm like, you know, I, I have to say something, man. I said, whether I get jumped or not, you know, it, it is what it is. But I'm going to say something. I'm going to tell them, look, dude, you know, like, if you can't respect somebody else, you know, just because they're female or just because they're older and this and that, you, just because you're young, guess what? You're going to get their age you know you're gonna go down that street you're gonna have little punks that are gonna do the same thing to you and it's a thing called karma oh yeah yeah you you and your buddies might laugh about it right now and you might think you're billy badass and stuff like that 
But the day's going to come, and it will. It's going to come back around, and it ain't going to be pretty, dude, because you're going to get it at least three times, if not ten times worse than what you're doing to that person right now. So think about that, man, for the rest of your life. The way that you treat people is going to come back to you, mm -hmm. you know? Well, that's the beauty about the military also is just, I mean, everybody holds each other accountable. Nobody puts up with other people's bullshit when you're in the military. I mean, there's definitely fights I would break out and it's because, hey, it's different. You know, it's this isn't freaking at back in your hometown. Now, this is like real life shit now. So if you're going to be a problem and it, to, to an entire group of people that are getting together, something's going to happen, you know, and military i'm sure because I, I was i was never like an asshole when i was in the military i was just having a blast but I'm, it was still humbling it's a very humbling experience i mean i've grew up pretty pretty by the book i mean yes sir yes ma'am type of childhood for myself but it's humbling going in the military it and i encourage it for a lot of people um and I, i'm happy i did it you know and i think it translates into the civilian world so much it helps you in the civilian world make friends better get i mean I, i've had a quite a bit of success outside of the military just because it's easier for me to communicate with even, even people that weren't in the military i show respect or i need to show respect i work my ass off i don't expect things to be given and i think that's kind of like a societal thing right now or more common now than ever is where people expect things to be given to them just because Hey, um, I did the work. How come I didn't get this? Well, sometimes that's life, you know. <laughs> Just because you work your ass off doesn't mean you're going to get something necessarily. It means maybe you got to work and, a little bit harder. And, and that's the and that's what's wrong with the mentality of everybody gets a participation trophy. Mm -hmm. No, nah, motherfucker, if you didn't fucking win, you don't get shit. Yeah, that's the way it is in real life. You know, um, you know, you didn't get that promotion. Guess what? Leave the company, go somewhere else that's going to appreciate you. You know, if not, work harder and move up within the company. You know, if the guy that got the promotion, you know, did you dirty and, and stole the job from, it's going to come back around because guess what? Now the dude has to do the work himself. What's yeah. he going to do then? You know, now he can take your glory because everybody's going to know whose work it is. You know, it's going to come back and bite him in the ass and stuff like that or hurt in the ass. You that's, know, how so. I, that's how you even feel with the whole free college thing that, that's been talked about like crazy lately. It's like I, I'm not for free college for people. I know like I had free college, but it's like I had to give up something to get it. You know, it's. Yeah, you had to do four years of your life. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, these, like I've these, told people. These fucking kids like, you know. Mom and dad has always told them, you know, yes, yes, yes. And as soon as somebody tells them no, oh, God, it's the end of the fucking world. Yeah. You know, and guess what? Tough shit. Yeah. You know? And, like, I, think, and I think it'd be a slap in the face, too, if that ever does come to, to pass. I think it'd be a slap in the face because I that's not the reason why I joined the military, but I know people that join to get free college. I think that's a slap in the face to those folks who – realized hey if i want to go to college i can't financially do it on my own or i don't want to take student loans so i'm going to sign up i'm going to do it the long about the longer way to get there but i'm going to do it and then to do it and then 
you know, all of a sudden they're like, hey, everybody gets to go calls for free. That's such a slap in the face to somebody with who did who joined the military knowing that they're going to go to college and that's why they were doing it. So they 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 gave up something to achieve their ultimate that's, goal. I'll be honest, that's why I joined the military because I'm I'm like, you know, that's because my dad wasn't going to pay for college. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, that's your life. That's your struggle that you have to go through. Like, why am I going to pay for four years of college? You know, when, you know, you could be one. Of, I could have been one of those guys that fucks it off and have dad pay for everything and stuff like that. My dad's like, no, you want something, you go get it. You know, my daughter did it. I did the same thing to my daughter. You know, when she got pregnant, I said, fuck your college. This, I took a college fund. I went, and, I went and bought a fucking truck and shit, you know, because she pissed me off so bad, you know. Um, but, dude, she went and she put on her, her big big girl panties on and she, she fucking went and kicked ass and shit, man. And, you know, to me, like, she's one of the most influential people. One of my motivators is my daughter because... Dude, getting getting pregnant at 16 and just kicking ass and taking names and doing what she's done and stuff, it's it's like, you know, not many young females are willing to do that. Yeah. You know? And then put herself through school, having two kids, working a full time job, you know, like that's a whole lot, dude. And I I think about that and I'm like, Fuck, I thought I had it rough running, you know, six restaurants and shit like that. Like, you know, she still had to go to work and come home and cook dinner and, and you know, bathe the kids and put them to sleep and get them ready for the next day and, you know, take care of her husband and, you know, all that kind of shit. And I'm like, that's a lot, dude. That's yeah. a lot to ask for. There, When I was in, uh, I ended up graduating from Long Beach State. So that's where I went after community college. And there was a a woman that was in one of my classes, one of my history classes, kind of in that same predicament, you know, she was, she, if I remember it, she said she had two, she was working two jobs. She had a kid and she was living on her own, um, single mom and going to college at a university. So I was like, man, that is, I remember sitting there in the, in the class. I'm like, damn, I'm over here complaining about stupid shit. I'm like, damn, I, I I'm married. I don't have kids yet, but it's like, we don't really got responsibility besides ourselves. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this, this girl's over here freaking, she is putting work in. Like she's going to school full time, two jobs and a, and a kid that like, that's the most impressive story. I've like, like, like your daughters I've heard Cause it's, it's usually vastly, it's usually the opposite end of the, of that you know you hear those stories and they you know whatever happens they end up living in government housing or living off food stamps and can't ever get out of there you know live in the projects whatever it is and 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 it's like she says too man like you know the same friends she had in high school you know like they 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 haven't been successful you know they've hooked up with you know, two, three baby daddies and stuff like that. You know, it's like, Dad, I, I, I could, I can, I can do it. Like, I, there's no way I could hang out with them girls and stuff. You know, like, I mean, my granddaughter made her grow up real quick. You know, um, and shit, my granddaughter's a freshman in high school, dude. That, that, to me, <laughs> that just blows my mind. I'm like, 
dude, she was like this big just a few years ago and stuff, and now she's 14 years old, man. Like, she'll be graduating high school in four years. I'm like, <laughs> that's what I know, you know. That's when you know you're getting old. It's when your granddaughter's in high school, man. And, you know, once she graduates high school, I don't even know what to do, man. I don't even know. You know, yeah. so next year she'll be doing her quinceanera too. And it definitely goes by fast. I mean, I'm still young, obviously, 33. But damn, like I was talking to my wife, where, God, where were we the other day? I was telling her, I was like, where the fuck did our 20s go? I was like, I don't remember 20s. Like, where? What happened with that? You know, it's like once you have kids. As soon as you I, had kids, dude, them 20s disappeared real quick. Yeah, it's like, where the hell did those go? I don't remember anything from those years. I was like, all I remember is from 30 to now or 29 from to now. Like, what the hell? Like, I, it's almost like you don't remember life before. And it's just like a new chapter definitely starts. It's a whole new book, actually. It's like, damn, that first one's closed. And now you're on to volume two. <laughs> exactly. It goes, it goes by super quick. I mean, yeah, our daughter just turned one today. And then our son's turning four in 10 days. And it's like, holy shit, man. Like, this sucks. And my dad always gave me crap because the same thing. He's like, oh, you're not old. He's like, you don't even know yet. He's like, believe me. He's like, it's like it's weird having a 33-year-old. And, and your dad's probably my age. Yeah, he's thinking his early 60s now. Oh, no, he, I'm not no 60s. Fuck that. Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. You know, fuck. Yeah, I've seen that with my dad. My dad's always been really athletic and played sports and <laughs> – he still thinks he could play basketball and it just cracks me up because I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. Like, you're solid gray, kind of hobbling. I don't know if you could do it. You might think you can, but those those hey, man, years are what, gone. That's <laughs> why I switched over to golf and riding bikes, dude. It's a lot easier that way. <laughs> I can't even imagine playing basketball now. Like, even when my youngest son, when he was a freshman in high school, you know, he was – I could I could still beat him now. He could probably beat me now. Oh yeah. You know, so I don't even try to play him in basketball, <laughs> man, because I don't want him to embarrass me and stuff. You know. <laughs> See, I, I still play basketball, kind of like you were saying for riding bikes for some of the the folks you've talked to. Basketball's always been like that for me. Like the other day, I went and played. I just by myself. I just went and shot around. But it's one of those things where it just like it's a mind cleanser, like because I everything that all the stress of life kind of just dissipates for a little bit for 30 minutes to an hour, just shooting around. Um, it's like, that's why I love it. That's, that's, I, I play basketball. I feel like I always will. Cause it's got me through some, some mental obstacles, but yeah, I beat my dad once thinking about playing, talking about basketball. I beat him one time. I think I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. He'll say that he let me win. I remember I beat him. And he was walking in the house. He's like, oh, I let you win. And it's still, it's like one of those things, like, did he let me win? Or did I actually beat him? And I, I, my wife has told me, she's like, oh, he did that perfectly. Because if you actually did really beat him, you'll never know. <laughs> it's like, shit, I'll never get the real answer. I don't know if I ever really beat him or not. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to answer that question for you. <laughs> Guess what the answer is? I beat him. <laughs> no, he let you win, dude. Oh, man. 
Because that's I did I did that to my son. Because if not, he'll quit and he won't want to play no more. I hope there's a hope, or whenever this day comes when he's really old, hopefully he lives a super long life. And he's like <laughs> his last words are he's like I I actually lost for real. I'll be like okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, thank you. Now that I'm like 70 years old also, thank you for telling me that. Thank you. Now I can now I can die happy. <laughs> yeah, no, man. He let he let you win, dude. Oh. Yeah. A good a good dad is gonna let you win. A dickhead dad, he's gonna beat you every time. <laughs> he, he don't care. He don't care if you get mad and quit and all that other stuff, you know. Like oh, I, I would let my kids win every once in a while because you know, as a kid, you beat your dad. That, like, dude, that's an accomplishment. It is. That's a that's you know? no small task. You know, that's like your first major obstacle in life exactly. is beating your dad at and, something. And, and that's a confidence builder right there for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh shit, I beat my dad. You know, whether like my my son, he runs track, so of course he's gonna beat me every time. So I'm not even <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. I'm like, dude, you're fast. You got that. You got that on me and stuff. But let's go play some golf. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I have an older brother, and he talking about being like a dick when it came to playing sports. Like he he's not that good at basketball, but he's always been bigger than me. He's uh, six years older than me, so like when we play, he would just like pack it right back in my face. He would talk shit to me when I was like ten years old. He's sixteen. He's just talking shit to me the whole time. That's what little well, brothers are for, dude. I, I, got, I had two little brothers. See, he forgets yeah. this. So there was a day when we were playing uh, across the street at our neighbor's house, and I was I was just crossing him up like crazy. He had to go home because he had blisters on his feet. He doesn't remember that, but I did beat him. I don't know if he'll listen to this episode, but I beat him. Trust, he trust me, he remembers that. He just is going to act like he doesn't. I got older. I was probably like 14, so he was like 20. You know, 20, you've already stopped growing. At 14, I'm still... I was getting close to six feet or about six feet tall. So I was like, we're, we're almost even playing field by that point. So I was, yeah, I sent him home with his shoes melting, you know? So I was like, Hey, I remember that he, that story, that moment in time as he'll never remember it or, you know, he'll say he doesn't, but, uh, that's, what's funny. Uh, what sports and, and stuff like that and being competitive, it it's, it's a lifesaver, man. It really is it, having it, something like it, that. It's good for you, man. And see, that's the thing, man. Like, I know sports. You know, it, it's it's almost like the the military. You know, it's team building. Mm-hmm. You know, the camaraderie. You know, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, like that's why it's so important. You know, and I I think it's so important for kids to place at least play one sport. Be good. Try to be good at it, but number one, always, always, always have fun. So, like, what I do with, like, with our our golf lessons and stuff like that, so we give free golf lessons to veterans. And, you know, once they, they get through the six classes, we'll take them out to do, like, a little miniature tournament and stuff. And it's just for fun bragging rights more than anything but a lot of times you know a lot of these guys they're still not going to be good after six so on the scorecard i'll put three letters on that scorecard you know and all it is is f u 
and we don't keep score. The thing is you have to have fun because if you're going out there thinking you're going to be the next Tiger Woods or Bobble Watson <laughs> or, you know, Shambro or whoever, whoever, you know, John Daly, you know, it's not going to happen, dude, with six lessons. Sorry. I've been playing 35 plus years and I still suck. Mm-hmm. But it's not about being good. It's about just having fun and being out there and stuff, being outdoors, you know. And, you know, once these guys see that it's just about fun, like all of a sudden I can see, like, they loosen up. They have a whole lot more fun, you know, because it's not about keeping score. It's about having fun. And that's what's so important is, you know, if you're not having fun, it's not going to be worthwhile, you know. Um, I learned that from when I was with another organization, you know, um, I was a little over 400 pounds, you know, um, I would go hiking with these guys. I would ride bike with these guys, but because I was so big, they would always leave me behind. And I'm like, well, what's the point of me coming out if I'm just going to be riding bike by myself or hiking by myself? You know, this ain't no fun. You know, and and once I started doing, you know, the bike rides and and all that stuff, the main thing with our bike rides is we only go as fast as the slowest person. You know, because the whole point is to build camaraderie, to, you know, get to know one another and stuff like that. Well, we'll have some veterans show up and think, you know, we're we're racing. I'm like, if you guys want to race, go on ahead, dude. Go for it, you know? Like, I'm not going to hold you back and this and that, but I'm letting you know right now I'm only going as fast as the slowest person because, you know, I've been there, done that, you know, and it's not fun when you're the big dude or the big girl and nobody wants to ride with you because everybody's too busy, you know, hauling ass. And my thing is, it's, and that's how you build the team building. That's how you build, you know, the, the, um, the, what's it called, dude? The, um, not the camaraderie, but like the trust. Oh, yeah. You know, the trust with one another. And, you know, that's how people open up is like people pay attention to that. You know, especially somebody that, you know, doesn't have a lot of self-confidence that keeps quiet to themselves and stuff, you know, because there's there's been a few veterans where, you know, they'll come out and they're quiet as a mouse. They don't say nothing, you know, but after that third or fourth bike ride and stuff, you know, they're a chatterbox, dude. They won't shut the fuck up. But that's a good, but that's a good thing because now, you know, they're, they're, they're not isolated. They're not, you know, um, in their little in their little shell, in their little box. You know, now they they have the confidence to talk about anything, to let you know what's going on with them and stuff like that. And that's the way you can help veterans is by breaking down those barriers. It might take six weeks. It might take six months. It might take a year to get somebody out because I had an Army veteran, combat veteran that, you know, like, he kept to himself, you know. Um, he would follow us on Facebook and stuff like that. 
but I know he's always be liking our stuff. So I private messaged him. I said, hey, man, you know, um, would you like to come out and ride bike with us? I said, I got a couple extra bikes. You know, you can use one. He goes, um, he goes, no, I got a bike. I got my own bike and this and that stuff. So I said, well, do you need it? Do you need it tuned up? Do you, you know, is it good to go? He goes, well, it could use some oil. You know, it could use some inner tubes. I said, well, you know, where do you live? And I'll go pick it up and take it to the bike shop that, that, you know, maintenance our bikes and stuff. And he gave me the address. I went to go pick it up. Dude, literally, it was it was really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, this bike was old. Mm-hmm. So I called him up. I said, hey, man, the bike shop said that, you know, this this bike is, you know, it's not worth dumping, you know, 100 bucks into it and stuff. But they got a bike that they could donate to you, man. And he goes, well, you know, I've had that bike for 30-something years, this and that. I said, yeah, but, you know, if you want, I can pick you up. I can bring you down to check out check out this bike. And he goes, okay. So I told him, I said, hey, let me go pick him up. I'll be right back, you know. So these fuckers went and got a brand-new, like, $2,000 bike. Damn. Took the seat off the other bike and put it on the new, on the new bike, right? And literally, they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, this is the same bike. We just painted it." And this, I go, "You guys, you motherfuckers!" Then, you know. But the dude was like, literally started crying, dude. You know what he said? He said he okay. never, ever in his whole life, because he had he had two brothers, sisters, two each, two brothers, two sisters. He said he never, ever ever had a brand new bike ever in his whole life he goes that was the first time he'd ever had a brand new bike ever and i've had that happen like four or five occasions and stuff where like you know because you know like a female veteran she's she never had a new bike you know because she's always had kids she always had brothers and sisters to take care of and stuff like that where she never could go ride a bike, even if she wanted to. You know, she's too busy mm-hmm. taking care of her brothers and sisters and stuff like that. You know, like, you know, and and to me that that just blows me away. It's like how sometimes we, some of us, take it for granted how blessed we are to like be able to afford new bikes or you know have have a nice bike, you know, or have somebody give us a really really nice bike. You know, sometimes you take it for granted and realize that, you know, yeah, uh, you might have a super nice bike, but, you know, some of these guys can't even afford one. So that was that was huge during COVID that, you know, we started these bike rides um, around Tempe Town Lake. It's a man-made lake, you know, and, you know, we started out slow. We had two, three, five veterans show up and stuff like that. But as, you know, COVID got longer and longer and longer, more vets would come out. Hey, man, do you have any more? Do you have a bike I could borrow and this and that? Well, after they rode with us, and I, and I would pay attention to see if the bike would fit them. Because not all, bike, all bikes fit everybody. You know, you got to get married and all that stuff. So if I lend them a bike, pretty much it was going to be a bike that I was going to donate to them. But... I'd let I tell them, hey, you gotta come out to like six rides, you know, and, and then we need your DD two fourteen and stuff and we'll see what we can do. 
Well, the whole time they're riding the bike, I'm going to give them and stuff. So when I, <laughs> the sixth ride, when they give me their DD214, I'm like, here's your bike. And they're like, well, if you would have told me that from the giggle, you know, this and that and stuff. And I'm like, well, the thing is, man, we got we got to see if you're going to be committed to it. Yeah. You know, because the whole point is for you to use it, not just ride once and leave it in your garage. That's not the point. You know, the whole point is for you to get outside and, you know, not be isolated and stuff like that and keep you from depression and keep you from, you know, all these crazy thoughts and stuff like that, you know. And they're like, you know what, Road, you're right. You're right. You know, so I would hold them accountable and stuff and tell them, like, if you miss more than two or three rides, dude, you have to donate the bike back so we can give it to a veteran that's actually going to use it. Because the whole point of the bikes is for them to be used. Mm-hmm. You know, now, if you needed to get to work, if you needed to get to school, I can give you I can give you a bike for that purpose, you know, also. But don't make the commitment that you're going to come ride with us on Saturday morning when you actually needed to go to school or go to work. I said, I got a different fund for that. And mm-hmm. we can get that for you, you know. So, you know, I, I've been blessed to have Microsoft and Google as partners and stuff where, you know, we've been able to donate, you know, um, tablets and, and uh, laptops and, and Chromebooks, you know, because the whole point is we want you guys to be successful. We want you guys to, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, because you might have to sacrifice this right now. But once you get done with school and this and that, it's going to be worth it. Trust me, it's going to be worth it, you know, but you got to put in you got to put in the work, you know, and a lot of t- a lot of times with this generation, they don't want to sacrifice. They don't want to put in the work, man. They expect, you know, this they expect that handout. And I'm not I'm not here for a handout to give you a handout. I'm here to give you a hand up, you know, and if you can't understand that, then don't request anything from me. Cause I'm not going to give it to you. And that's the way it is. You know, and a lot of guys, they're like some of the, the other guys, other veterans are like, Holy shit. You know, nobody's talked to me like that before. Like, you know, but somebody has to, man, somebody has to hold these guys accountable and stuff. Yeah. Cause yeah. What, I mean, what it also sounds like the purpose of the bike rides, not necessarily just to ride bikes. I mean, it's a, like you said, um, you had that, army veteran who told you are you listening to the birds who you know feeling the breeze it's it's not just a bike ride it's actually it's therapy like a, dude. yeah it's a release it's you know? you're you're, ch- you're chopping it up with other veterans you know you're building that commodity you're feeling you you know you're getting somebody out of their shell mm-hmm. and while you're riding you know like we had one one female veteran that showed up she actually worked at the va and she was telling us Oh, you know, well, we, you know, if you don't know, you can do this or you can go there for this and this and that. Dude, she was telling us all the ins and outs that <laughs> I didn't even know. And I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. Because now secrets. we have 15 other veterans here that can let every, let other veterans know. Because the thing is, you know, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And the more you know, the more you can help people out. You know, because you don't want to know everything and keep it to yourself. What's the point of that? How are you helping other veterans doing that? You know, like, but that's that's the way some of these nonprofits work, especially 
the super big ones I notice is like, you know, oh, these are our vets and stuff. We're not good. I'm like, no, dude, it's not like that. It shouldn't be like that. You know, you do what you do. I do what I do. You know, I'm not trying to invent the wheel. I'm not trying. I don't have the budget with that you do to do what you do. Like, you get millions of dollars. I don't. You know, I have to scratch and claw and do what I got to do to get the little bit of money I get to help these guys. You have a thousand times, if not a hundred thousand times more money than I do. I'm not trying to take your veteran. Are you crazy? I don't have the budget to take your veteran, <laughs> even if I wanted to. You know, like I do what I do because this is what I'm good at and this is what I can do to help them. Because my whole point is once I get them, now I know who I need to send them to and connect them with because that way they'll be that much more successful. You know, that way they can turn around and help another veteran out, you know, and that way it keeps on rolling. And, you know, it, it, it we're helping out each other as well as the community. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, now that I'm kind of like, I've just started this podcast this year and I think that's been one of the more refreshing things for me, uh, talking to other veterans and get it, you know, hear all these different stories. But also, I mean, I think of when I got out of the Navy, there wasn't really, it didn't seem like there was this type of outlet for veterans. And so I've said it plenty of times, it's, it's amazing to see veterans really taking it, the ball and rolling with it. You know, they're make, helping each other. We're all helping each other out in some instances or some way we, any way we can do it, we're doing it. And, um, because I think like we've talked about when we first started talking, the VA, it's always had this, there's been these issues with the VA and the veterans slip through the cracks and you're kind of left alone, but all these kind of like nonprofits like yours, they're, they're amazing because it's, it's veteran operated. It helps other veterans. And at the end of the day, that's the goal, right? It's just to, like you said, if you help one veteran, that's all that matters. Even, even if it's just one person, I'll say 20 people show up on that bike ride. And the next time that only one of those 20 people show up, Hey, that one person, they're there, they're putting in the work, they're committed to getting whatever type of release or help that they're, they need, they're committed to it. Um, which is nice to see because I don't think that really existed when I got out, even just 10 years ago, 11 years ago. Now um, it wasn't really around. Nobody really talked about it. Veterans. I know that I didn't talk about anything that I was going through when I got out with anybody, you know, so it's nice to see veterans open up, but even if it is to another veteran, because you got that similar, like we we're talking about earlier, even if you're in a different branch, you have that similar, the similarities of, okay, we both signed up at this age. We made that leap. We've done this amount of time. We've had these same kind of struggles or when we got out and now we're here Now we're helping each other. That's a, it's a beautiful thing to hear and, and to see. So. Oh yeah. Yes, sir. But, well, all right, Ro. Um, I'll let you, let you go. I know you're busy, so really appreciate it. You know, dude, it's, it's Friday, dude. I'm done for the for the week, man. <laughs> I need I need to I need to what's it what's it called? Unwind or uh reload or whatever you want to call it and stuff. So yeah, uh, but tomorrow tomorrow I got an event. Sunday I got an event. You know, so like majority of my events I do on the weekends and stuff, especially Saturdays. 
Sunday, I, I try not to do a lot of events on Sunday. Um, to so, um, you know, people can spend go to church, spend family time because to me that's very, very important is family time, you know, because um, those and Sundays are once football season starts. <laughs> <laughs> it's football season, dude. Oh, yeah. you know, so like that's my literally Sunday's my day off, day off. You I know, know that feeling. And, and 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 Sundays are like when football season it, you'll find me on the golf course on Sundays because that's my time to unwind and you know um just be out there in, in nature and whether it's by myself or playing with some other veterans and stuff, you know, that's that's what's that's what's important to me and that's the thing. I have to make that time, mm-hmm. you know, because if not, you'll get burnt out real, real quick. Yeah, it's true. So. I mean, and then like you've said, holding each other accountable is the main thing, you know, at the, at the end of the day. Um, holding up, I think that's what most veterans actually do need to be held accountable. You know, you get out and you start blaming other people for things. It's like, there, yeah, I had that real moment when you look in the mirror, you got to kind of own it yourself. Like, you can change it. You know, you can change your circumstances. It's not, it's not the end of the world. You know, you got to really buckle down and, and, um, that's what's great about like veterans like yourself who do that, who goes out of their way and helps veterans, holds them accountable. So, um, yeah, for anybody that's lit that just listened to this episode, go check out Valor's veterans community, az.org. And if you're in that area in Arizona, I mean, definitely check them out. They're always doing cool stuff. You're always posting some, some awesome stuff. You know, I know you're seeing guys do like flag ceremonies or at the one of the was it the Fiesta Bowl or something like that. And then you guys, yeah, we take we take we have 350 volunteers, 285, 300 are veterans. Um, that includes National Guardsmen. You know, um, we take the flag out on the field for the for the um, national anthem. You know, so and then uh, we have the 9-11 walk coming up. So every hour on the hour from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., we have first responders and uh, veterans carry the flag around Tempe Town Lake. Um, you know, and then on the other side of, of the walk, on the other side of the, the lake, they have a thing called um, the healing fields. So there's a flag in the ground for every victim that passed away that day. It's it's pretty awesome, you know. It's it's pretty powerful and stuff. And then, you know, um, they have boots there for some of the guys, um, you know, teddy bears, all kinds of stuff, man. It, it's it's somebody that's never been will be like, it, it will hit them hard if they had somebody that they know that was there that day, mm-hmm. you know. So it, it's so we this is our fourth year doing it. Um, and literally it's, it's one of our major events that we do every year. That's, that's, that's cool. You guys do that. Um, so you can find us on Instagram at VVC AZ Tempe. We do, uh, um, Facebook. So we have a Facebook group, which is just strictly for the state of Arizona. And then we have the page, which is for the whole country to see. Okay. So. Awesome, yeah. If I ever if I ever go back to Arizona, I've been there a few times for for work and stuff. I'll swing by. Well, your make guys. make sure you come out for the Super Bowl because Super Bowl is that that uh 
next year in February, it's it's out here. All right. Yeah, that'd be awesome to be able to do that. I mean, now if the Vikings make it, you know, that'd be even better. <laughs> but, well, I'm I'm one of the Super Bowl um, host committee captains. So I get a bunch of our our veterans to volunteer at the NFL experience. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, so so the NFL experience is the place you want to volunteer at when if the Super Bowl's ever in, in your town and stuff, because that's where all the players go to sign autographs and stuff like that. So sometimes with the volunteers, you know, we get there two hours before everybody else. Some of the players and their family are walking around. We you have access to the players. And once you're they find out you're a volunteer. Oh, they, they'll sign, they'll take pictures with you, all kinds of stuff, man. It, and it's pretty awesome. So Yeah, that's cool. I've been to – my brother and my dad and I went to the the one in Minnesota when the Super Bowl was held in Minnesota because we're all Viking fans. So we went and – I mean, it was awesome. That NFL experience is freaking insane. For anybody that hasn't been, highly recommend doing it because so Nowadays, fun. it's – 10 times busier than what it used to be. Oh, I believe when Super, it. When the Super Bowl was here, the first when I first came to the first Super Bowl, uh, Phoenix held was in Tempe, and the Cowboys and Steelers played. Um, man, it, that was like, <laughs> I'm a Cowboys fan. So like having Cowboys and Steelers legends running around, and stuff like that. I got to meet Chuck Noll. I mean, and I told the Steelers, you know, a lot of Steeler um, um, players and, and Chuck Noll. I said, man, I hated, hated you guys with a passion as a kid because <laughs> I lost my lunch money for like three weeks and stuff because of you guys. But I have to give you guys respect and I have to shake your guys' hands for being some of the greatest teams of all time. You know, and some of these guys were like, oh, thanks, man. Thanks for coming from a Cowboy fan. Because I'd be wearing my my uh, Cowboy. I had a Rod, Roger Starback was my favorite player growing up. So I'd wear his jersey around and stuff. And they're like, that's pretty awesome coming from a Cowboy fan and stuff, you know. So, yeah. My mom's a Vikings fan. Yeah, I mean, that was my first tattoo, actually. I got a Viking uh, tattoo right here. Got when I was stationed in San Diego. I freaking love them. I I love them and I hate them all at the same time. They're they're the greatest chokers of, hey, of all time. I love the Vikings because you know why, right? Why is that? Oh, the Herschel Walker trade. Yeah, it gave the Cowboys their whole their whole team. Man, my dad my dad talks about that all the time. He's like, that was the stupidest freaking trade we ever made. He's like, they got Aikman, they got freaking. Uh, Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, all these Hall of Favors, all that. I was like, oh yeah, I've got Herschel Walker. I mean, I I love the Vikings and I love the Bills. <laughs> hey man, I feel bad for those Bill fans. You know, four Super Bowls straight in a row to lose all four. I've told my wife because she's a Steelers fan. My my wife's side's all Steelers fans. I was like, they wasted all their opportunities to win a Super Bowl in a row. Like, they'll, I don't think they'll ever win one. I know they got a really good team right now, but it's like nobody goes four years in a row. You just wasted it. You blew it all. You blew Dude, it all. Your were, they were the second 
to me, they're the second greatest dynasty of all time. Yeah. Nobody goes to four AFC championships in a row. Nobody. You know, and if they only would have won one, and I don't care, they should have they should have won, they should have beat the Giants on that field goal. They should have won that game. They should have won the Redskin one. Now the Cowboy game, they were gonna get crushed no matter what. <laughs> so, so was no, they were gonna lose both of those. That was guaranteed, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, most of my experiences with football are are sad. I mean, Vikings typically choke. Like the they had that miraculous catch a few years ago against the Saints. Yeah, against the Saints. And we were living. Dude, in I called. I called that. I called that um, play too. Oh, I so said, I was, watch if, if uh, who was it? Diggs. Yeah. Diggs catches that, and he gets behind that defense. It's over, and sure as shit, boom. <laughs> Everybody's like, "No way! You called that play." I'm like, "I told you guys." I yeah, we were still we were still living in an apartment at the time, and I went down the hall. I was like, "Oh man!" I my wife was sitting on the couch, and I was like, "I gotta," as like, I gotta leave, and I was like peeking out the down the hall. I could see it. And that that was a that's the only time I've ever cried happy tears. I because that shit never happens for the Vikings. Like I've seen uh, the NFC Championship against the Falcons. That's my first. Like, a memory where they shanked it. Dude, um, they had they had a good team that year too. Yeah, and then Brett Favre that was on deployment. I was on deployment when that happened. Uh, my best friend from Louisiana, he's a Saints fan. When they when Brett Favre lost to the Saints and Drew Brees, we had put a bet on that game. Whoever lost had to get the other team's tattoo on their ass. So I got a, the Saints logos on my one of my butt cheeks. Uh, that was my last tattoo. I know that. See, this is crazy shit. This doesn't happen in regular life. This is only shit that happens in the military. I'm telling you, <laughs> this is the type of crap that happens in the military. It really does. Nobody like people don't believe me. And every once in a while, he'll be like, "Hey, dude, can you send me a picture of your ass?" I'm like, "Yeah, all right." So he's like, "I gotta show like my wife or my girlfriend, whatever, my mom." I'm like, "You're gonna show your mom my ass?" But whatever. Um. But yeah, so I lost that bet, you know, and it's like, fuck. So I got Saint tattoo on my ass, and that one sucked. Brett, that Brett Favre game, man, that made me cry. I, I was, yeah, on deployment, so I was bawling my eyes out. Um, and then the Stefan, then they lost the Eagles a couple years ago, or they got smashed. They didn't just lose. The Eagles crushed them, and that's why we went to Minnesota. We bought tickets to fly to Minnesota after they beat um, the Saints that year. After that catch, I called my dad and my brother. We're like, oh, fuck, we're going to go Minnesota because the Super Bowl is in Minnesota. It's like destiny. This this is fucking crazy. And, of course, they get blown out, typical Viking fashion. They just, <laughs> they just get completely ran off the field. I think we scored one touchdown the whole game. It was like 30-something to seven. It was like, oh, well, fuck, okay. Well, we're still going to Minnesota. We already bought fucking plane tickets and booked the hotel. So, like, great. Cold as fuck, too. Like negative four degrees. Dude, All that pain will, and suffering. You will never, ever, 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 ever see me move anywhere north of Phoenix ever. <laughs> Said if I want to see snow, I'll go up to Flagstaff and spend an hour or two in snow and come back down. See, I grew, I, I I like grew, weather. I grew up in Illinois. Oh, so the winter of 79 was what did it for me. Because my mom, literally, there was six feet of snow that winter. 
And my, I had to shovel the snow to get to the car so my mom could go drop us off at the bus stop. And I'm like, the first chance I get to get the fuck out of here, I'm doing it, man, because I'm not shoveling shit. And then, like, two years later, my dad gets the very first snowblower that you put in gas and you can push it. I was like, yes, I don't have to fucking shovel this bullshit anymore and stuff, you know? So I like cold weather. I'm a cold weather person typically, but, yeah, my boot camp was in Great Lakes. And it was in February up there in Chicago. And I was like, holy fuck. This is totally different. That wind is that wind is like a knife, dude. It is. Like in boot camp, so they have it was snowing, so you know, you're all geared up. You have they had us like all this the face shit on, so like all the one thing exposes your eyes. I don't know how, but man, that snow cuts through like every piece of clothing you have. because it's like at an angle and in, and it's windy, so like it stings a little bit when it hits your face. It's just screw that. And then, yes, yeah, so when we went to Minnesota, we're watching the news, and one day it was like eight degrees, and the next day it was negative four. We're like, what's the difference between eight degrees and negative four? I know there's the, obviously a number difference, but that feels exact. It feels exactly the same. <laughs> eight degrees and negative four degrees is the same. It's the same feeling. It hurts. That's even when it's not snowing, it hurts. It's just so cold. It just hurts your bones. Like you, I don't know how people live out there. I like cold weather, but damn, negative. I mean, I think no, the lows that, that, are like thirty. That's that's not that's not regular cold. That's freezing cold. No, screw that. Yeah, like that's death. Death cold. Like oh yeah, you'll walk outside and not realize your fingers fell off because it's yeah, so. Don't, cold. Yeah, you go out there more than thirty minutes, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, like no, we went <laughs> from our hotel room, we went to a Wendy's and we were walking back. We had taken a car there and we walked back from Wendy's. And my dad had the drinks and my brother had something else. They were freezing and I grabbed the burgers. I was like, oh man, I feel good. I had that thing nestled up next to me. <laughs> my dad's like, I can't feel my hands. I was like, oh, I feel good. I'm nice and toasty. I was carrying that those burgers and fries close to the chest. <laughs> you know, yep. that's that's a, oh man. Yeah, that's a different ball game right there. And I've been in some cold places, but fudge, man, that better you than that. me. That's all I know. <laughs> but see, then there's a polar opposite. I'm not. I don't like a hundred and plus degree weather. I'm like a good beach guy. I like 60, 70 degrees. That's that's my perfect spot. Say right, right now it's monsoon season, so it's humid as fuck, dude. So <laughs> it'll be. A cool 104, but with the humidity, it's like 124 with humidity. So, like, whether you're in the shade or not, you're going to feel the humidity, and it is sticky as heck. See, I don't like that stuff. It sucks, dude, because you go outside for two, three minutes, and you got to take a shower as soon as you come back in. Yeah, I, I believe it. I mean, we don't get too, it doesn't get too muggy out here where we're at, but. Yeah, it's been like in the hundreds, and like even just washing the car yesterday, I was like, "All right, I'm, I need like a take like a oh, thirty minute." Oh, you gotta do shower. that early in the morning, man. Well, I did it kind of late in the evening, but it's still like ninety degrees outside. Like, no, you gotta do it early in the morning. That's when it's usually cool. The coolest part of the day is in the morning. If you do, even at at night, like out here, even at night, man, like till one, two, three in the morning, it's still, you know, some nights a hundred, a hundred and five. You know, it's still hot. 
<laughs> even at night, you know. So I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Well, all right, Rope. I'll let you go, brother. All right, man. Now you take it easy. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend and everything. So. Oh yeah, we'll be in touch. Um, I'll hit you up, man, because I need to send you out a T-shirt. All right. Yeah, appreciate it. You got it. All right. You have a good one. Okay, man. You too.